What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Engage 8 Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my two co-hosts, Josh and Mike. Uh, sorry I couldn't be with you guys last episode. Appreciate these two for holding it down for me. In today's episode, we're going to be going over the college football playoffs, the two semifinal games, and then maybe a little bit of a preview of the final game that I believe is on Monday, but I'm not too keen on that. I've been a little out of the loop the last week or so. And then we're going to preview week 18. Uh, it's a really hard week to predict in the NFL because a lot of people just sit out and all that uh, in preparation for the playoffs. So before we get into that, I uh, just want to ask you guys to like and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, we have our Spotify down below as well, if you prefer an audio format. And we have our TikTok as well, in case you want some short form content. So Mike, you want to get us going with some college football? Yeah, obviously a big weekend in college football. We have the college football playoff, uh, a couple of New Year's Six Bowls. I'll get through them really quickly here, considering most of them were not interesting at all. Uh, Missouri, Ohio State, and the Cotton Bowl. Pretty boring game. I think Lincoln Kineholtz was the quarterback for Ohio State. Kyle McCord transferred. Missouri, 14-3 defense dominated. Ohio State really couldn't do much on offense. Peach Bowl, Ole Miss, Penn State. Ole Miss wins 38-25. to um, Great season for Ole Miss. Another big win. Drew Aller just really doesn't look like the guy right now at Penn State. He had his ups and downs this year, but every time it was a big game, it seemed like it was a down for him. Fiesta Bowl. Um, Oregon just absolutely obliterates Liberty 45 to six. You could see this one coming. Um, Bo Nix plays again, gets another start in. He wants to get as many starts in college as possible. And he just absolutely carved up Liberty. And the one big non college football playoff New Year's six bowl, the orange bowl, a lot of eyes on it considering Florida state debatably should have been in the playoffs undefeated. This game really shows that they shouldn't have been in I guess I'm not going to say that I know we'll see what Josh has to say about this game I really don't hold this game against Florida State they lose 63 to 3 it was an embarrassing performance I don't think they should have been in in the first place but in this game I have the list of names here a lot of big ones Jordan Travis obviously injured Tate Rodemaker he wasn't playing Keon Coleman first round pick a total of 30 players for Florida State did not play in this game that's just a number it's hard to overcome especially when you're going up against a Georgia team that is as talented as they are. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Had uh, had Bama beat Michigan uh, in the college football playoff, which we'll talk about here in a bit, uh, I was ready to say uh, the SEC championship just works against these teams because uh, at that point it would have been hard to convince me that Bama and Georgia were not two of the top four teams in the nation. Uh, but Bama did not win that game. Regardless, this game, like you said, Florida State had a lot of guys out. Regardless, um, are those 30 guys worth 60 points? That's the question here. I don't know. Tough to believe that uh, Jordan Travis and Keon Coleman could come in there and get 60 for him. But uh, regardless, it was never uh, a question whether Florida State, especially with their backup quarterback, uh, was able to compete with any of these teams. They would have gotten the doors blown off them by Michigan for sure, even with all their players outside of Jordan Travis. Um, but this just showed just showed once again there's just levels to this shit. Georgia's just a really good football team. Uh they're sound, they're well coached. Kirby Smart, once again, I believe this is is this the biggest margin of victory in a New Year's Six Bowl ever? I, I thought I I thought I read something like that. Or maybe just the Orange Bowl. But it's I, I think it actually I think it is just the Orange Bowl. But um regardless, big win for Georgia, uh Florida State. Uh, it's just kind of – I mean, I don't have sympathy for a team that has 30 guys sit out uh, for a bowl game. I'm sorry. I just can't have any sympathy for you in that. So um, you sit out. You let your teammates go to the Wolves and lose by 60 to Georgia. Uh, that's just 
Uh, that's just bad character, as I'm just going to say it. I think it's bad character. You go and have a ton of your guys whine and cry about how, oh, we're, we were deserving. We should have made the playoff. And then half your team sits out, doesn't want to play in the game, and you leave your backups to go play fucking Georgia and lose by 60 in a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, that's just despicable. I have no sympathy for Florida State, so I don't really care. I'm with you on that. Uh, you can't really complain if you're just not going to play. But on to the two big games of the weekend, and shout out the Pop-Tart Bowl, too. Hopefully that's a yeah. New, New Year's Seven Bowl in the future. But My goat. Yeah. Uh, Rose Bowl, number one, Michigan, number four, Bama, really lived up to the hype. The Rose Bowl has never really not delivered. I can't think of a time where it hasn't. Um, 110th Rose Bowl. I think this was only the second overtime game. Michigan's on to their second or the first national title since I think 1997. Uh, just a massive win for them. JJ McCarthy, in my opinion, has his best game of the season in the game that they needed it the most. 17 for 27, 221 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. He had 25 yards on the ground. He played pretty solid against the Bama defense that has had his ups and downs, but has been pretty good down the stretch. Blake Forum. He was unable to play in the college football playoff last year after suffering. I think it was a torn ACL. He comes out and has a great game, 80 yards, had the game-winning touchdown in overtime. So Michigan, um, going into this game, I really didn't expect them to win it. I thought it would be close, but I didn't see them winning it. They came out. They played hard. They were down late in the game and were able to come back and win it. I think they scored with a minute 43 left. Roman Wilson, nice play. Um, Bama, Jalen Monroe just didn't have it. Couldn't pass the ball grade, only 116 yards in the air. Um, didn't really have it on the ground either. He did have 63 yards, but 21 carries. Jason McClellan, 87 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. He was their best player on offense. But disappointing end of the game for Bama. They had to play in overtime, three straight timeouts called, and they ended up on just basically like a QB draw from the three and just absolutely stuffed. So what a win from Michigan and just another great road bowl. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready to say maybe it should have been Georgia. No, I'm kidding. But um, regardless, sucks uh, for Bama, sucks for the SEC here. Um, most dominant conference in college football every year. Uh, sucks they're not going to have a team in the SEC Invitational this season. But um, Alabama, the problem in the beginning of the season when they lost to Texas and when they were looking shaky early on and Milrow was looking shaky early on was this might be one of the worst O-lines that Saban's had. They figured it out in the season. They got much better. They were great in the SEC uh, championship against Georgia, and they were not great today. Milrow was in trouble all game. He was constantly just sprinting backwards after the snap, trying to get out of the way, taking long, long sacks. And it was just – it was brutal because they were in control of this game, and they had a very, very good chance to win this. Their defense played great all game. Uh, they were shutting down Michigan. There was a time early in the second half where I think Michigan had three straight punts. And – oh, and I have it here. Yeah, three straight punts. Bama scores a touchdown, Michigan punts, and then Bama fumbles off of that punt. Uh, I believe that was the Milrow fumble where he just like uh, – he the ball barely got tipped and he lost it. That was when Michigan came down and had a missed field goal uh, for that fourth drive of the offense – or the second half. So it's punt, 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 uh, missed field goal. Bama gets the ball back and kicks a field goal. Um, going up 10-0 in that stretch is usually good. But when the game's close and Michigan is doing nothing on offense and trying to give you the game, it's it's there's a tough one to lose for Saban. Um, I really honestly, not even literally until the end of the game, I just I didn't see a situation where Bama loses this game. Um, but sadly for them, they did. 
Uh, Nick Saban loses in the first round of the college football playoff. Has he lost in the first round of the college football playoff yet? I think so. I'm trying to think of when he lost. I can't even. I don't know. I think he lost to Oregon, Ohio State year. Oh, the the very first year. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, maybe. But uh, regardless, yeah, the Bama should have won this game. Sad for them they don't. Uh, Michigan did not play their best football and still won. It's going to be interesting to see what they do next week, see if the offense can pick it up. If the offense can't pick it up, have fun trying to trying to match what Washington's going to do. Yeah, and late in the game, they had the muff punt that almost was disastrous yeah. for Michigan, but able to hold on, get to overcome that, win the And game. that early almost pick on the first play of the game from J.J. McCarthy. Yeah. Very, yeah. very close. And then there was a play uh, – it's like on that same sideline where Michigan had a catch that they barely got in, right? And they called it a no catch, and then they reviewed it, and then they gave him the catch. I forget who it was. It was on like a third down on the same part of the field, and it I was think just Roman Wilson. Yeah, it was just that's just the definition of the the game inches right there. Yeah. Um, but onto the game that almost won up. I think it might have won up that game was just as good, if not better. Uh, Texas Washington. This one was more of an offensive shootout. Uh, Texas came back late, almost found a way to somehow win this game, uh, but couldn't do it. Washington, Michael Penix was just phenomenal um, with everything at stake in this game. He had one of his best performances of the year, 430 yards, two touchdowns. His accuracy was just next level in this game. Dylan Johnson on the ground wasn't phenomenal, but did have two touchdowns, 49 yards. Um, the receivers all year, they've been great in this game. They were great again, Rome. Six catches, 125 yards. Polk, five catches, 122 yards and a touchdown. They were phenomenal. Michael Penix was finding them for Texas. They really just couldn't overcome a a rough third quarter. I think they only had like 34 yards in that quarter. Quinn Ewers played pretty good, um, 318 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Just really couldn't overcome that bad third quarter, like I said. Tried to get the onside kick, didn't get it. Got the ball back and had a drive with – just under a minute left, got all the way down the field, but just couldn't get that last play to put him over the hump. Uh, yeah. First of all, I just want to say Washington kicker. Washington's kicker's name is Grady Gross. I think that's just a hilarious name. Uh, but yeah, Washington Penix. They played great in this game. Penix had that one throw where he just threaded it between two DBs going opposite directions into the end zone. That was, that was just an unreal throw. He was phenomenal. Didn't turn the ball over. Had 400 yards passing. Quinn Ewers pretty good, too. Also didn't turn the ball over. Uh, didn't throw any picks. But, yeah, I mean, we just we just had a shootout. There's a lot of times in these games where it's uh, – you both teams are scoring. Uh, I had to always bring, bring it back to the Lions. But Lions-Chargers this season, both teams just kept scoring. No one could stop anybody. Last team to get the ball was going to win. Kind of seemed like that's where we were going in this one. Uh, last team to get the ball did not win, though. Texas – uh, sadly, just not being able to get it done there at the end for them. Both teams had like a weird uh, injury timeout that didn't benefit them uh, towards the end of the game here. So that kind of evened itself out. But yeah, Texas and Bama, I think that was, I don't know. I don't remember what you guys picked when we did the predictions. I I think I predicted Texas and Bama to win. So same out early. No, I picked Washington. I okay, picked Washington. There you go. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go out and say it right now. I think Washington's going to be national champions. I do. I think they're going to beat Michigan. I have no, no confidence in Michigan's offense. And if Texas scored 31 on Washington, I don't see a scenario where Michigan scores more than 31. And I do see a scenario where Washington does. So I think it could be something like a, 
I don't know, 30 to like 23 game for Washington or something like that. 31, 23. Uh, I just, they just have so much offensive firepower. I think that's going to show out. I mean, the coaching disparity, everyone gives Jim Harbaugh so much credit. I mean, I, I, I like Jim Harbaugh too. Do I think he maybe does fall in a little bit of an overrated sense? Yes. But I think his ability to build a culture and captivate a team is like no other. So I will give him that, but yeah, I mean, I don't have much more to say about Washington, Texas here. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that Washington does beat Michigan on Monday. Yep, Monday National Championship, Michigan-Washington, Houston, NRG Stadium, uh, big game. I think Washington wins as well. I want Washington to win, but um, Michigan's defense is phenomenal. They could find a, some way to shut out Washington's offense, which has been great all season. They have had some bad moments. Dylan Johnson did get hurt late against Texas. It did not look good. He was that injury that hurt them with the injury timeout. Right, right, right. He got carted off into the locker room, but I guess he is expected to play now. So that is massive news for Washington. That's a big piece of their offense. They're going to need him to be ready to go and play pretty well. Um, I just, I like Washington's offense. I feel like they're a team of destiny at this point. They've had a lot of games this year, twice against Oregon, where everybody doubted them and they came out and found a way. And especially in the second game, kind of dominated Oregon. So I think Washington's going to rally the troops, win it for the Pac-12 one last time. And that's where I go to my other question for you guys. Um, this championship game, I said, is being played at NRG Stadium in Houston. Uh, we saw how phenomenal the environment was at the Rose Bowl. It's The environment is just always phenomenal, incredible. This game, Washington versus Michigan, Pac-12 versus Big Ten. That's what the Rose Bowl was made for. Why, why can't this game be played at the Rose Bowl? And Stephen A. Smith saying that the Rose Bowl should be played at SoFi Stadium is one of the most ridiculous statements I've ever heard. Um, getting rid of, I mean, the name of the stadium is the Rose Bowl. That's the Rose Bowl. They've already they've already changed it from the Cotton Bowl. The Cotton Bowl Stadium is no longer played at the Cotton. The Cotton Bowl isn't played at the Cotton Bowl Stadium. It's played at uh, Dallas for and Jerry World. But do you guys think that the the Rose Bowl should be played at SoFi Stadium? Obviously not. Obviously not. That was just a ridiculous take from Stephen A. Uh, I was that almost seemed like it was just kind of a clickbaity take. I I can't even believe that he believes that. Um, as for this year though, I think two reasons why I don't think you can do it at the Rose Bowl this year. One, just logistics wise. Yeah, the, no, it's the biggest late, game but... of the season. It's way too late to when you just find out the week before. And two, the fact that there was already a Rose Bowl playing another game in the Rose Bowl Stadium the next week would just be a little bit weird, I feel like. But it would be sick if <laughs> if they didn't have the Rose Bowl already with Michigan in it. If it was just a regular bowl and there was a way they could move this one to the Rose Bowl, that would be sick. But but yeah, ob- obviously the Rose Bowl should not be played in so far. Yeah. I uh this is so weird because you have to the no wow, the traditions of college football are just damn near unbreakable so i completely agree that everything should be played like in its rightful spot rose bowl cotton bowl like all that stuff in its rightful place but with the committee being how it is and selecting like the best teams like the four best teams to make the playoff all that all that blah 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 whatever wouldn't you want like the most neutral site possible with as few like possible variables i mean we've talked about it before for example the bears and 49ers at the beginning of the 2022 season Bears finished with the worst record in the league and obviously were nowhere near as talented as the 49ers, but they came out on top because it was a monsoon. Obviously, in, what is it, January, late December, early January in California, sure, you might not get as extreme weather as a monsoon in Chicago, 
but having it inside, I can kind of understand where he's coming from if he's going at it with the angle of, yeah, we just want it to be truly the best team wins, obviously injuries aside, but like just don't let weather or anything like that impact the game and just give it the best chance to be a great football game and the best team does win. I agree with that take. I, I, I just want to say I do agree with that. The Rose Bowl is different because it's the Rose Bowl and there's a Rose oh, Bowl stadium. Agree. But yeah, I agree for national championships, for Super Bowls, indoors, neutral site as possible, eliminate every factor, have it just be A versus B, see who comes out on top from that. It's just I tough just, because, um, like I was talking about it before, tradition, it's just, it's so tough to really ask them to like either build a dome or throw it somewhere else because like, you know, it's just the tradition of it. You can't steer away from that. And if you start to do that, then it starts to lose its luster a little bit. And it, it kind of sucks. But I feel like if you're doing it for the national championship, it feels right to have it for the other two as well. But at the same time, you just can't do it. Yeah. So I, I see both sides of it. Yeah, I see both sides of it. I hear what you're saying. It's just every time I, I'm look I'm looking at the Rose Bowl scores right now. You look at these games. Most of these games, weather doesn't affect them, A, but... B, uh, they're all just phenomenal games. The environment's usually, uh, it's great. It's one of the best environments in football. The one game on here that sticks out that um, was a blowout is Alabama versus Notre Dame in 2020. Bama wins 31-14. to 14. This was a college football playoff game. But that game was played at, I'm pretty sure it was Texas, uh, Arlington, Texas at Jerry World because um, that was a COVID year, so they couldn't play in California. <laughs> so I think that it would be interesting to see a college football playoff championship at the Rose Bowl. I don't think it will ever happen because they're too money hungry, but I think the environment would be great. We've seen the debate will be the best national championship game of all time, Texas and USC at that stadium. Uh, Vince Young, Reggie Bush, just a great game, but I think it'd be really cool to be a championship back at the Rose Bowl like it used to be. With what you said, Zach, about the college football playoff games, how they should be on neutral sites, I think the easiest way to do that, because you said they can't do that, the easiest way to do that is just don't make bowl games. I mean, it's pretty simple. You can easily and just, just... Get, give the bowl game titles to other groups. Yeah, they could have just had Georgia and Florida State play in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, that too. Or Penn State and whatever. Then you could actually yeah. just have it be Big Ten versus Pac-12. That's like what I did. Madness is on neutral sites. That's what much. I didn't like this year. I I didn't like the fact that we were had a Big Ten SEC Rose Bowl. That's just weird to me. Yeah, I agree. That I mean, that goes back to the tradition, right? But I guess it, it had to have been some, something, some contract, some money thing. There's like Every, everything's money nowadays. Around. Like, what do we? There's no yeah. question about that. It's all money. Has the Rose been... Bowl had a semifinal game yet? Was this the first yeah. one? Well, Bama Notre Dame. Bama Notre Dame. That was in Texas. Uh, the one of the, the best ones of all time was Oklahoma, um, Georgia, fifty-four. Right. Something. I forgot mm, about that right, game. Right. That's Baker. Yeah, that was just a phenomenal See, game. See, th- that goes back to the whole point, though, because I forgot that was in the Rose Bowl, but when you say that game and I picture it in my head, I see outside. And when I try to picture all the other semifinal games, I almost never think of an outside game. But I jo- something about Oklahoma. Did Oklahoma play in two outside semifinal games? Maybe they're all blending together. But You might be thinking of the game at uh, the Texas-Oklahoma game that was phenomenal with Kyler. Uh, possibly, possibly. But Red River robbery will. Thank God it will live on. At um, the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, at the Cotton Bowl. But I think that does it for college football. You guys ready to preview some NFL here? Yes, sir.
All right. Uh, I'm going to preface with we're going to fly through some of these games. There's a lot of these games that mean nothing to either team or mean nothing to one team and just a little bit to another team. So we'll probably spend a lot of time talking about some of these teams and no time talking about others. So if we don't talk about your team, make the playoffs. Anyways, Steelers at Ravens, first game. Uh, this is a perfect example. Ravens resting all their starters. Uh, doesn't matter for them at all. It does matter for the Steelers, though, of course. It's tough to beat the Ravens in Baltimore regardless. I'm not saying I think the Ravens are going to go out there and win with their backups, but I wouldn't be the most shocked person in the world if they win at home with their backups. Uh, Mason Rudolph looks for his third straight win. Uh, I was peeping some uh, some Pittsburgh talk radio today and just hearing all the debates, like uh, trying to compare Kenny Pickett's five quarters without Matt Canada to Mason Rudolph's three games here. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, what are we doing? It's like, we're, we're, we're pulling hairs at that point, but I got the, hold on. I have the Pittsburgh playoff scenarios up here. I was playing with the simulator a little bit. And I was, but the simulator was buggy today. For some reason it was, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it today. It was like, I think I was doing it during the Sunday night close. game last week. There's a way I think they can lose and still make it. I think the so. Steelers, there but, is. There is. Here we but go. But they would. They need Miami to win. I'm pretty sure. They need Colts and Houston not to tie. Right. They, they need Jacksonville to lose to Tennessee, and they need Denver to win. I guess I don't know why they need Denver to win, but they do. I mean, so, who does, maybe it's just tiebreakers or common opponents. Common opponents, definitely. It's definitely strength the schedule. That's for sure. What it is, right? Or not strength the schedule. Common opponents. Oh, but, they might be tied with Houston. And what did didn't Houston lose to Denver? Did Houston beat Denver? I don't know. Um, you see, there's like over 200 games we've covered know, this year. I know, bro. It's tough. No, 256 total games so far we've covered this year. Pre-game, post-game, coming into this week. It's kind of hard to remember them all. But yeah. I'm just, I'm I'm football brain dead at this point. And there's so many, especially the past few <laughs> weeks, just having 16 games every week. Oh, yeah. Once we tough. get to next week and we can I got focus it. on six games. All right, there you go. I got right. it. Uh, so they need if if the Steelers were to lose this game somehow, they would need the Broncos to win, uh, Dolphins to win, and Titans to win. Yeah, they would need. See, mine doesn't because mine doesn't say anything need... about the Dolphins though. It's hmm. interesting. Oh, I guess yeah. The Bills, the... the Bills could win, and they could still no. Yeah, they could still be the seventh seed. Okay, so yeah, they need okay. they need Denver to win, Tennessee to win, and Houston and Indy not tend to tie. Which it won't yeah. because if what happens if they tie, do they both make it? I don't Depending know. I, I, I've been looking at a lot of these, and so many of these scenarios have like a Houston or Indy does not tie. I like mean, they, if Pittsburgh they, loses, them tie fucks everything up. If they, tie, tie. if they tie, the Colts get the four and Houston gets the seven. Ooh. So, in theory, if Houston because they're both on Saturday, they're different, different start times. If Pittsburgh loses, do Houston and Indy pull a uh, what was it, Chargers Raiders from a couple years ago, and they actually tie on purpose so they can both make it? Or do I mean, they well, just they'd, play out? they'd have to hope the Jags um, lose. Oh, uh, yeah, they, them, the them too. If not, the Colts are in. Yeah. Right. We'll see, though. I mean, that's all. I, They'll that's probably all I just think. play it out. I mean, doesn't everybody? Yeah. That's all I got about this one. Yeah, I mean, I was honestly going to say the same thing as you. Uh, Pittsburgh are playing yeah. against backups and Pro Bowl quarterback Tyler Huntley. Let's not forget about that. Yeah. But um, Shout yeah, out. I expect I expect Pittsburgh to win, but it wouldn't shock me if Baltimore, their backups, come in with a little juice, uh, especially guys with maybe some expiring contracts who are looking to fill a uh, a role player uh, spot on a different team next year, putting some good tape out there. 
But if Pittsburgh loses, that's really unfortunate. You might have to look into the quarterback situation. Uh, I think Tomlin, you got to keep him. You got to go and look at some solid OCs in the offseason as well. But I expect Pittsburgh to win this one. So, yeah, uh, I think the Steelers should win this game pretty easily. No Lamar Jackson. I'd I'd expect significantly more guys out, probably Kyle Hamilton, some guys that have been banged up recently. Uh, Mason Rudolph, can he win three games in a row? We've seen back quarterbacks struggle to do that this season. They can play good for one, two weeks, and then after that, um, just struggle to get continued success. One thing the Ravens do have going for them is that they're very good in games that don't really matter to them at all. We saw them win 24 straight preseason games. Those games don't matter, and they were able to crank off 24. So they could sneak away to win, but I think the Steelers are going to win this one. Uh, it would kind of shock me if they don't. Um, I'm not – I don't know if I can remember correctly, but that one Wednesday night football game in COVID, that was backup quarterback, backup quarterback, right? And the Ravens won that? Well, yeah, it was RG3 versus – Oh, my uh, God, yeah. Was it, it was, Rudolph again or – No, it was it was Browns-Ravens, I thought. No, it was Ravens-Steelers. Oh, I'm trying to think. It was definitely Ravens-Steelers. The game that happened on a Wednesday? Yeah. It was, it was Ravens-Steelers. But um, did Trace McSorley play in that game or was it him and RG3? Trace was RG3. No Lamar Jackson. It was it was Raven Steelers. I don't know why I was thinking Browns. I don't see it on here either. Hmm. Ravens Steelers Wednesday night Wednesday game. Okay, here we go. Oh no, that's week eighteen game preview. Not, not what we want. <laughs> Regardless, I guess this doesn't really matter. Oh, there you go. Okay, cool. It was uh nineteen to sixteen Steelers go to eleven and oh. Chase oh. McSorley and RG three, I think both played in this game. If yeah. this is the right game. I think this is the right game though. This might have been the game McSorley like for his ACL in. I don't even know. I guess it doesn't really matter at all. But regardless of as Brian on the Ravens. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. that's actually wild. <laughs> but We'll move on here to a game that really does matter. Texans at Colts. Uh, both teams are win and in, and they need Jacksonville to lose to win the AFC South. Uh, this should be a back-and-forth duel, two teams who know each other pretty well, two pretty evenly matched teams roster-wise, I'd say. Uh, and this one is in Indianapolis, where the Colts have been playing pretty good at home all season, definitely as of recently. Uh, both defense have looked, defenses have looked great at times this season and haven't looked good at times at, uh, this season. So it'll be interesting to see what we get from both sides. Uh, if one team decides to show up on defense and the other one doesn't, uh, then that definitely could be the story of the game here. I think the Colts need to get to C.J. Stroud, turn him over. He doesn't turn the ball over much. When he does, they're going to lose games. If you can get a pick or a fumble off of him, uh, you're going to be in a good spot. Uh, the Colts are the home team here. Although I like the Texans quarterback situation better, I'm going to go with the Colts at home to win this game and make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm honestly in the same boat as you. I really like C.J. Stroud and just the Texans offense as a whole more than the Colts offense. The teams themselves, like you said, they match up really evenly. They match up kind of well with each other. It'll be a good game, but I just I trust the run game of the Colts way more. And I think they're going to be able to control the line of scrimmage on both sides. They're going to be able to control the clock. They're 
I think it's going to be a lower scoring, like your classic divisional game where it's just two teams trading blows. It's going to be a great way to cap off a solid Saturday night leading into a very exciting Sunday. I'm going with Indy. Yeah, for the Colts, they really have two things that they have to do in this game. One of them is they need Gardner Minshew to not turn the ball over. Colts are 6-0 and this season when Minshew does not throw an interception. Um, and the other thing is they need to get their pass rush uh, to C.J. Stroud. They have games where their pass rush gets to the quarterback. They don't have to blitz, and they just get to the quarterback quickly. And then there's games where they can't get near the quarterback like that Bengals game where they just look very poor. Um, they have to be able to get there. Their offense, Texan, well, the Texans' defense has surrendered the seventh most pass yards in the NFL this year. In week three, the Colts are able to capitalize on that. Uh, Anthony Richardson got him up 14-0 lead early, got hurt. Minshew came in and completed 83% of his passes. He was solid in that game. Uh, that was the game that C.J. Stroud really showed how much potential he had. It was the first really big game of his career. Uh, he got sacked six times but went 30 for 47, 384 yards, two touchdowns. And he's been good since that game, really. Um, he's got sacked 25 times this, since that game, uh, but he's thrown only five interceptions. So we got to get the pressure to him. We got to be able to bring him down and try to hope that he uh, tosses us some turnovers. He has struggled on the road, though. Um, only six touchdowns all season, four passing, two rushing. Texans team has uh, worse on the road. And I think this game being in Indy is the, the biggest factor for it. Um, C.J. Stroud, I don't know when he said it, but he said, uh, I guarantee, he basically called Indianapolis a weak city. So mm. I hope they play that before the game on the big board and then he can see what type of weak city they really are. Uh, the Colts are tra- chasing their 13th season sweep of the Texans. I think they get it done and possibly win the division with an AFC South loss by the Jaguars. All right, moving on here. Browns at Bengals, one that doesn't matter for either team. The Browns are locked in at the five seed. The Bengals are cooked. Uh, We don't know who's going to play in this game from either side. I mean, I'd assume that the Browns aren't going to play a lot of their best players, uh, especially Amari Cooper and other guys who they've had banged up and just have had the worst luck all season. I wouldn't even roll out 11 guys on both sides of the ball if I were them this game. I'd play, as, I'd play the coaches if it comes to it. Uh, But... I got. I guess I like the Browns better. Um, I I just I have no analysis of this game. I mean, it just who's watching this? Uh, not me. Um, I'm going <laughs> Cincinnati. I'm just gonna assume that Jake Browning is starting and he'll just throw to. I don't even know. Just maybe Jamar Chase plays just to boost the stats a little bit. Maybe he's got a contract incentive or something. But Cleveland, they're gonna be like you said, Josh sitting Amari Cooper, Miles Garrett, Zedaria Smith. I think Joe Flacco has already been ruled out just for. Uh, I don't even know who's playing behind him, uh, PJ Walker or DTR or something, but it's smart, obviously, just the rest. So you can uh, just get geared up for either probably the AFC West or the AFC South, whoever finishes with that four seed. It'll be so that'll be a rough, that'll be a South guaranteed. It's South guaranteed. Okay. Yeah. Well, regardless, it's going to be okay. So AFC South, I mean, if you have to go into Jacksonville, Indy, or even Houston, those are all tough places to play. Rest your starters, get ready for a really tough road game. I mean, I don't think any of those three are weak cities. So sorry, CJ, to burst your bubble, but Jacksonville, I'm going. City. <laughs> I don't know. You, yeah. you get a lot. You get enough people screaming Duval at you. I think you might start shaking a little <laughs> bit. But I'm going with Cincy, like you said, Josh. No real analysis here. Uh, I just think Cincy's going to rest less people than Cleveland. I'm going with Cincy too. I don't know if I said that. 
Oh, I think you said Cleveland. You but... said Cleveland. Oh, I didn't mean yeah. to say Cleveland. I'm going with Man, Cincinnati. The switch up is crazy. I have it highlighted on the sheet. <laughs> he does not stand on business. I can show you the sheet. I can show you the sheet. I have it here. You can just change it. You want me to change it? You're fucking. No, you know what? Give me the Browns. I don't give a fuck. Give me the Browns. Give me the Browns. Let him in. This was all for show. I'll take the Browns. Fuck it. I'll take the Browns. It's all for show. He was playing on Cleveland the entire time. He just wants to draw attention to himself. No, no, no. Give me the Browns. Fuck it. They're one of the same too. I got the Bengals <laughs> in this one. Um, there will be no Joe Flacco. Browns give the number one overall defense, but I expect a lot of that to be rested. They have had terrible injury luck this season. You don't even want to risk it at all. For the Bengals, uh, they will play most of their guys. Jamar Chase, I guess, plans to play in this game, even though he's dealing with that shoulder injury. Trey Hendrickson, he is tied with TJ Rott right now for the NFL lead in sacks with a career high for him, 17. Jeez. Um, no Cincinnati player has led the NFL in sacks since they began tracking them in 82. So that's something to watch for Trey Hendrickson. He's been phenomenal this season for him. Um, Browns have won six of the past seven meetings. So that does trend well for Josh, nine of the past 11. I just think they're going to be resting too many guys. I think Cincinnati's going to win this one. Yeah, that's a bad take. Uh, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> next game here, Vikings and Lions. Um, Aleem McNeil, CJ Garner Johnson look like they're going to be back this game. Aleem for sure. We'll see with uh, CJ. He's been a full practice all week so far, so I don't know why he wouldn't play. But Lions look like they're playing their starters. Uh, like I said on last pod, I've said it a million times. It doesn't really, I mean, it matters because you win, but you still got to hope for Dallas and Philly to lose to move up one spot. So, and that, that's just very unlikely. So, there's a good chance, even if they win this game, that it doesn't matter. So, the number one thing here is just stay healthy. If you're going to play your starters and go for a game like this, I personally understand because you're not locked in where you are. You had last week's debacle, which was absolute bullshit. You have to create some momentum off that. You're playing a home game against your division rival. It's It's difficult to sit your players in this situation. So, I don't blame them for not doing it. But, my God, if it goes poorly, it's going to be devastating for the Lions. Um, like I said, they need a momentum win. I think the Lions are going to protect Goff. Uh, it will lead to a big offensive game for Goff again. Uh, with Ragnow and Sewell, the Lions have the number one rated center and tackle for PFF this season. Uh, with those two, those two have just been phenomenal. Both pro bowlers, they were great. Uh, speaking of the pro bowl, uh, I do want to pull up these stats real quick because I just don't have them off the top of my head. But um, as everybody probably saw, the Pro Bowl announced, rosters were announced yesterday, and uh, there were some snubs. Of course, everybody has their has their problems with it. I know Pro Bowls don't really like mean anything, but when you see your team and you're like, you see all the guys that got picked and all the guys that didn't, you then go into the comparing stats thing. Uh, so that's what I'm gonna do right now. <laughs> um, Amon Ra was the first. Uh, what do they call it? Not substitute. Uh, alternate. Alternate for the receivers in the uh NFC. His stat line for the season was 112 catches, ties him for second in the league. 1371 yards, ties him for fifth, and nine touchdowns. Or sorry, yards was not tied for fifth. That was just fifth. Touchdowns nine is tied for fifth. Uh, the guy who did get in over him, which is the most fringe one in my opinion, it's Puka Nakua. I get it. I get why he's in over him, but it's it's because of hype. Like, let's just be real here. Low-round draft pick has an insane rookie season. I don't want to take anything away from what he's done this year. He has 20 less catches than Amon Ra. 
60 more yards and four less touchdowns. Oh, that's tough for me. And Lamont Ross on the third best te- uh, third best record in the NFC. They're going to be 10 and seven. It's hard for me to justify that one off of anything but straight hype for Puka. So that it's kind of annoying. Uh, and then the other one's Mike Evans. This one I understand a little bit more because this one, at least you can look at the stats and you can say, okay, Mike Evans has the most touchdowns in the NFL. We can't keep him off this, even though he has 200 yes, less yards than Amon Ra and a whopping 40, I'm not going to do the math, 40 something less catches than him. Uh, so yeah, I don't just don't really understand that at all. I don't know how he gets snubbed there, but uh, name recognition, I guess. Ukanuku is a little more fun to say than Amon Ra St. Brown, uh, but Lions got to create turnovers in this game. Uh, turnover, Nick Mullins. It's going to be Mullins again. Don't let him get 400 yards this game. Don't, don't let them have a chance to come back. Uh, I picked the Lions 17, 16 times this season. I'm going to do it for a 17th. Um, so for based on – wow. Um, speaking to your Pro Bowl uh, – what's the word? Snubs. Uh, I agree. Amon Ra probably should have made it. I think the NFC wide receiver should have been A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Amon Ra and then DJ Moore. Uh, I think Puka definitely deserved it a little bit more than Mike Evans. I mean, Mike Evans, he was kind of just like the high volume target on a team and just got a lot of big plays. And yeah, he's leading the league in touchdowns or just receiving touchdowns. But I think Amon Ra and DJ are both having better seasons that have impacted their offenses a little bit better, a little bit better. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Props to Puka, of course, and all the other uh, NFC, AFC guys especially if it's their first time it's not easy especially when they're fan voting uh players and coaches and whatever the other thirds are i don't know but so for Minnesota, that, that's why that's what it doesn't make any sense to me the rams have no fans <laughs> like how did, how did this happen if it was like no the, if it was like a, a diners receiver or a cowboys receiver that got had inferior stats and made it, it's whatever but i don't know well, Either way, Minnesota and Detroit, uh, this is, I believe, 1 o'clock on uh, Eastern time on Sunday. I expect Detroit to probably just go full out, uh, play as many guys as they can in the first quarter. If they go up by multiple possessions, that's when they start to lean their foot off the gas. Play conservative. Don't give up too many things for the playoffs because you want to secure this win, this win just for, like, the the what-if scenario if uh, Eagles and Cowboys both drop. So obviously you're playing for something. Minnesota's playing for something. They need the win and they need a little bit of help to make the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. So you know you're going to get Minnesota's best, even though they're rocking with their third quarterback of the year. And honestly, you're not nah, their fourth quarterback, actually, but their third and fourth kind of suck. And Josh Dobbs is who knows what he is outside of the first few weeks on a team. I expect Detroit to win. I think they jump out to an early lead. I think they're a better team than Minnesota altogether. And if they're going to get Ali McNeil and CD Deuce back, just get them some solid reps to lead into the playoffs. You're probably going to have a tough matchup in the first round because you got some hot teams in the wild card round in the NFC. So they got to be prepared. I don't expect them to go lightly in the first half of this game, get some solid reps, but I expect Detroit to win this one. Yeah, me too. Um, Lions have the opportunity to sweep the Vikings for the first time since 2016. I think they get it done. Vikings lost three in a row. Bengals, Lions two weeks ago, and the Packers last week. Um. Vikings last week struggled very bad, gave up a lot of points to Jordan Love and uh, the Packers, 470 yards of total offense. Their defense has given up at least 27 points in each of their last three losses, 30-plus in the previous two. Uh, Their defense has been great most of the season, but down the stretch here, teams are starting to figure them out a little bit. Lions are averaging 30.5 points at Ford Field, and they're 5-2 and at home. 
I think they're going to come out pissed off after that game being taken from them last week. First home game since winning the division. I think they're going to really want to put on a show for the fans, and I think they get it done. Laura's defense, I think it struggles again. I think the Lions offense gets a really good tune-up game going into the playoffs. Yeah, the Vikings are just a bad team. Just straight up, they're not a good team. I mean, they had Dobbs come in, had a magical win against the Falcons, beat them by a, by three. Um, they beat the Saints by eight, and then they proceeded to lose five of their next six with that one win being a three to zero win against the Raiders. Uh, so I, they're just not a good team. I just don't have any respect for them as a team. Moving I mean, on right here. now, right now they're not a good team because yeah. Kirk got hurt. But when Kirk was there, I mean. Kirk was having a really good year. Like he had better numbers than Dak and was on pace for better things than Dak before he got hurt. If I'm not mistaken, he but was, but they were also four and four. Right. But I mean, but they're on the come up. Right. They were, they were shooting back up. Cause what were they? Oh, and three or oh, and four to start the year. They were one and four. Then they beat the bears. Uh, they beat. The, they were on the come up. Oh, they beat the, yeah. They were one of the Niners losses when they were banked up, banged up. They beat the Packers. And yeah, those were, and they have a win over Carolina. So Kirk Cousins beat the Bears, Carolina, <laughs> banged up San Francisco and Green Bay. But <laughs> regardless, yeah, well, eh, San Francisco. So, do what you got to do. Yeah, play who you play. And when you play good teams, lose to them, I guess, if you're the Vikings. But um, moving on here, Jags at Titans. Uh, Jags win the division with a win in this game. Titans have a chance to play spoiler against their division rival. The Titans are at home in this game. I think that does play a factor, of course. Uh, Titans have been scrappy at times this season. We've seen it. We saw it in Miami. Uh, we saw it for times in the first Houston game, even though they choked that game away completely. Um, they're going to have a chance to score on this uh, Jags defense that has been slumping. I mean, I know that they pitched a shutout last week against the Panthers, but uh, this is a Jags defense that has been struggling the past month and a half or so. The Titans, I could just, I could definitely see the Titans winning this game. Um, and when I think about this game and I want to make a pick, I look at the fact that we're at week 18 and I really don't have anything to lose with my picks. Um, I'm not, I'm going to pick the Jags though, but <laughs> a little misdirection there. I'm going to pick the Jags. <laughs> uh, I think they just have to take care of business. They cannot lose this game. Uh, but I want it on the record that I think there is a good chance the Titans win this game. Uh, I'm not going to overthink this one. <laughs> what? What was that? Nothing. 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 Yeah, nothing. I said you don't stand on business. That's all I said. I tried to stand on business, and y'all took the Browns pick. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fine. I'll take the Titans right. if you give me the Bengals. I'll take no. the Titans if you give me the Bengals. No. I'm willing to make that deal. No, because you'll see my pick here soon. Of course, yeah. Ooh, I got to pick first every pick all season. 18 weeks. Two hundred. No one's making yet. <laughs> Two hundred fifty-six games. Well, I don't have much to say about this game. Uh, Jacksonville, they have something to play for. They control their own destiny. If they win, they take the division. If they lose and Houston and Indy somehow goes awry, then they might find themselves out of the playoffs. Uh, Tennessee, they have nothing to play for. I think Jacksonville is just the more talented roster. I think Trevor Lawrence comes back. And like you mentioned before, Mike, uh, for Detroit, I think this could be a nice tune-up game for Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence to get back on track after being injured for a little bit and just – Figure something out to maybe steal a game uh, in the wild card round. So I'm going Jacksonville. Yeah, I don't say this often, but let's go Tennessee. If uh, Colts win, uh, they can Tennessee wins, they win the division, which would be pretty cool. First 
AFC titles, AFC South title since 2014 or 2016. Um, there's a scenario where the Jags miss the playoffs, like we talked about earlier. Steelers win, a Bills win, and then the Colts and Texans winner. Uh, so they have a lot to play for still. Jags defense, like you said, Josh, has been struggling, especially against the pass this season. Unfortunately for the Titans, they also struggle passing the football. Uh, just 182 passing yards per game, 28th in the league. So schematically, this isn't uh, a good advantage really for the Titans. But I'm just going to – I'm going to – I'm going to go with the Titans. I want them to win, so I'm going to pick them to win. Will Levis was back at practice today, so maybe he'll be ready to go. I'm really hoping this pick doesn't uh, get put on the shoulders of Ryan Tannehill. That would suck. But two years ago, we saw Indianapolis go into Jacksonville against a rookie quarterback, and you win, and you're in the playoffs, and Jacksonville played spoilers. Um, I, I think Tennessee might play spoiler and possibly kick Jacksonville out of the playoffs. Uh, stats don't favor them, but I think the Titans win this game. So I'm going with the Titans. Yeah, I'm finding myself wanting to just pick games based on what I want to happen rather than what I think is going to happen once we get that, to these That's final what weeks. I was doing for the last couple weeks. Just well, with for, the Panthers. Like, Bears, yeah. yeah. Just for Bears, uh, like draft picks, like especially with the Panthers. And like last week, I was picking Green Bay just so they had something to play for this week in case the Bears weren't in. So the Bears could play spoiler this week. We'll get. I'll get to that later, but... I mean, that's we, what I've been doing the last couple weeks. We can get to the Panthers right now. I mean, I, I've been picking the Panthers, trying to trying to will them. I laid out a plan for them. I told them everything they had to do to get where they needed to be. They couldn't come through. Bryce Young put it's up over. zero points against the Jags. <laughs> it is over. Um, so out of respect, um, that's the last thing I will say about the Panthers until the Super Bowl. Anyways, Bucks win this division or win the division with a win here. Uh, the bleep showed how dead they were last week when they played the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't even know what to say here. Um, it would be insane if Tampa Bay loses this game and loses the division on this. I think, hold on, let me scroll. Where's my Falcons Saints? Oh, okay. Um, if the Bucks lose this game to the bleep, the Falcons and the Saints will be playing for the South. So those two games are going to be going on at the same time. It would be just chaotic, like if that uh, Bucks bleep game ends early, and the Falcons and Saints are playing for their lives. When they do, you think they tell them on the field, like if the game ends first, they're one hundred percent going to be scoreboard watching. They're it's tough to do that in a game, though. They're going to do halftime. Yeah, they'll have sense. someone. They'll have someone on the sidelines to for the coaches, the maybe not the players. There's no way they're like leaning over to. Uh, maybe not. Players Arthur Smith. definitely will be. Maybe not Arthur Smith. <laughs> yeah, the Arthur Smith. Don't, don't tell him or Dennis <laughs> Allen. Neither of those two can be focusing on two things at once. <laughs> those two absolutely cannot be uh, thinking about that. We'll get to that game next, I guess. But I'm going with the Bucks. Yeah, I'm going Tampa Bay as well. Uh, they have same thing with Jacksonville, Tennessee. I mean, Carolina could play spoiler. It would be so ironic if they did, but Tampa Bay has something to play for. Uh, Carolina doesn't. Uh, I think Tampa Bay is a better team. And even though it is in Carolina, I don't think those 50 cent per seat tickets are going to be very uh, appealing, especially after the whole throwing drinks on fans. So unless they're looking for a lawsuit, I don't think any fans are going to be going to that game. So I'm taking Tampa Bay. Yeah, let's hope uh, David Tepper doesn't throw drinks on any fans this week, especially at home. Bucks clinched with a win. I think they get it done, but 
it's, it's week 18. You never know. We saw Baker Mayfield struggle um, greatly last week. Hopefully he can get things back on track, get a, another revenge game on the Panthers, who he played for last year. Panthers defense has been solid all season. Third f- fewest net yards, third fewest passing yards, seventh in uh, yards allowed per play. But their issue is that their offense is pretty bad. Bryce Young has struggled most of the season. 2,700 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, 10 picks. Luckily, the Buccaneers' defense gives up the most passing yards in the NFL this season, so this is a chance for him to maybe do some things against a poor pass defense like the Bucs, but I just don't see the Bucs losing this game. They should win it. They should win their third straight NFC South title, but it's another situation kind of like I just brought it up the Colts and uh, Jaguars two years ago. Jaguars were the worst team in football. Fans are the worst team. You win and you're in the playoffs. Um, and you go and lose to the worst team in football. So I hope for Bucks fans' sake, they don't have to deal with that. So I got the Bucks winning this one. The funniest thing for David Tepper is now people are just going to fuck with him more. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> he, all he did was take a, three, what was it, $300,000 fine, and now he's just going to have it happen more. I want him to lash out again. I want it to happen, like, soon, too. Could you imagine if he did it again this week? Like, he was just like, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> 300 racks is not shit to him. No, I'd love to see it happen again, to be honest. Honestly, he probably goes out of that thinking it was worth it. 300, yeah. 300 grand just throw the drink. Because you know that's been an... You don't just do that out of nowhere. That's an impulse he's had for a long time. <laughs> he's been thinking about that for so long. Dreams. He's been getting he's been getting uh, shot at in the, in the box quite a bit, probably Yo, since oh week 10 or God. so. Definitely. I mean, the fans just fucking hate him. The <laughs> team hates him. But, <laughs> well, whatever. Moving on here. Did we talk about Jets at Pats yet? We haven't, right? We did not. Okay. Do we want to? Not really, but <laughs> Jets at Pats. storyline. Uh, Belichick owns the Jets overall. He's owned his jet- the Jets his whole career. Uh, the Pats, though, overall do need a loss for their draft pick here badly. Uh, Belichick may be on the way out his final game here maybe he isn't i'm not going to believe random rumors on social media i'm not going to believe it until we have an actual report that bill belichick is gone uh but this may be his last game if it is his last game the pats are winning this football game no <laughs> if fans are buts about it they're winning the game i think he wants to win no matter what uh but both owners and both fan bases want to lose this game uh i just i think the pats have the ability to the, to lose this game they're to win this game on top of having the ability to, Zappy's getting a little, a little more confident the past few weeks. Uh, I think they have, ju- I, I mean, the defense for the Jets is much better, but the Pats' run defense has been phenomenal uh, for many parts of this year. I think um, last time I checked, they were number two. Let me see that they're still number two. Rushing yards allowed. They are number two to the Bears. So um, there you go. The Pats' run defense has been great. Uh, Brees Hall is probably not going to be able to get going. Force the Jets to throw is usually a a nightmare situation for them. But um, yeah, I'm going to take the Pats. I think Bill Belichick, if he does go out, I think he goes out doing what he's been doing his whole life, which is beating the Jets. That would be very storybook ending for Belichick if it was his last game. But like you said, I'm not going to believe anything until Rappaport or Schefter says, or Belichick comes out on Instagram or Twitter with himself on a beach. I don't know, but if he's on a beach on Twitter or X or Instagram or something saying, oh, yeah, I'm gone. Like, I mean, unless he does that, I'm not going to believe it unless it comes from the horse's mouth. Uh, regarding this game, I'm 
taking the Jets. I think they're a little bit better. Uh, this is going to be an ugly game. I don't want to watch it. I don't think anybody else wants to watch it. I think the Patriots and Jets both just want to get to next season or just draft season in general. Jets fans for Rodgers and maybe a little bit of O-line help. Patriots, they want to see their next uh, superstar quarterback potentially if they stay at the three slot or move up to one with Chicago. Who knows? But I'm going with the Jets. I think they're the better team and their defense is too good to lose this game. Yeah, I'm with you, Josh. I think this could potentially be Belichick's final game with the Patriots. I don't see him losing that game. Patriots have won 15 in a row against the Jets. He owns them. And Bill Belichick is one loss away from tying the most NFL record for losses ever by a head coach. Uh, Dan Reeves, 190-165-2. Jeff Fisher, 173-165-1. Bill Belichick, 302-164-0. I don't see him going out of the Patriots with the loss and if he does that loss would not only tie him for the record and losses but would just cap off a terrible season that's just regular season he's also one loss away from tying total including postseason I'm pretty sure I think it was I don't even remember but it could be his final game uh Bilicek's defense has been solid in the second half of the season especially Jets offense is abysmal I somehow trust the Patriots offense slightly more than I trust the Jets at this point home game for the Patriots. Uh, we know that the Jets are usually the team to get that win late in the season to kill their draft stock. I think this year they they know what they have to do, and I think the Patriots are going to be the team to kill their draft stock in the last week of the season. So I got the Patriots sneaking out this one. If Belichick does call it quits, like retires or he gets fired or whatever, probably not fired, but just leaves, where does he go? Does he just turn into like someone who's just off the grid? Yes. I feel like that's exactly what he's going to do. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, He's gonna live his best life. Um, even though he might be one, if he if he ties the losses and goes out, at least he's not like the sole holder of the losses. Right. It's much I mean, better to be tied. Much better to be so I mean, where does he sit on wins also? So Yeah, exactly. But especially like, playoff wins. You don't you don't get that many losses without getting a million more wins. Yeah, yeah, you have to. So yeah. I feel like being that high on the losses list, unless you're like oh and one sixty five, which how are you how are you even still getting hired? Unless you <laughs> sign a lifetime contract that's like worth a billion dollars that you legally cannot keep get out of. <laughs> I have no idea, but it's Bears will keep him because he turned the defense around at the end of the one of the years. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, yeah. I mean. Much respect to Belichick. I mean, you don't get up there without being good at winning as well. Yeah, Jeff Fisher though, only eight games above five hundred with that record at losses. Well, well, he's a uh, Jeff Fisher's in his own in his own realm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, moving on here. Oh my God, it's had a massive zoom out on my computer there that threw me off. Um, okay, Falcons at Saints. Um, like I just said a couple games ago, either team. Uh, wins the South if they win this game and Tampa Bay loses to the uh, team that David Tepper owns. Um, <laughs> New Orleans can still make the playoffs uh, with a win and a Seattle and Green Bay bo- uh, losses there. So we said it, I said it on the last pod uh, that me and Mike recorded. Uh, that loss for New Orleans to Green Bay early on in the season is looking like it might kill them, especially if uh, they win this game, Seattle loses, and then Green Bay beats the Bears. That would be horrible for the Saints. That's the way they would miss the playoffs. Both these teams, though, they're extremely bipolar. We don't know what to expect from this game. Sometimes one of these teams' offense looks great and their defense looks poor. The other game, 
their defense looks great and their offense looks poor. The Saints, 21st in run defense and 21st in run offense. Um, that's kind of just with this Falcons team, they're so bipolar that just for like the past three months, I've just been looking at run offense, run defense from the other team. If it's good, I pick against them. If it's bad, I pick for them. I'm going to go with that here. Falcons, they match up well. Uh, they always play well when uh, they play against teams that can't run the ball or stop the run. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Falcons, and it would just be hilarious if they won the South after everything. <laughs> it would just be it, hilarious. It really would be, but I think Atlanta, with Taylor Heineke or Desmond Ritter at quarterback, they're just not good enough to go into New Orleans and go and win a must-win game. I trust that the Superdome is going to be super loud. It's always a tough place to play, and regardless of the opponent, it feels like every single team that comes in there on the road has some sort of struggle early in the first or maybe even in the second quarter, just getting down a silent count or just getting audibles across because it's so loud in there. So I'm going with the Saints. I think the crowd plays a very large factor. I just can't trust anything the Falcons do. Granted, the Saints, you can't trust anything that they do either, but I think I just got to trust Derek Carr does enough for the saints to win but outside of that it's really just a coin flip yeah i agree um i just like the way this well obviously the saints played pretty great last week shut down the buccaneers they looked very good falcons against the bears looked pretty bad i'm just gonna go with that trend i think the falcons just they just don't look great right now i don't trust um i don't trust them to get the ball to their superstars i think alvin Kamara might play uh, if he plays, that could be huge. I think whoever controls the line of scrimmage should win this game, and the Falcons controlled it in the last one. I think that flips. I think the Saints at least battle in it more. Uh, Desmond Ritter started the last game. He's not starting in this one. I don't think it matters. Each quarterback kind of sucks, but I just like the way the Saints have been playing recently. I think they find a way. All right, moving on. Broncos at Raiders. Another game that does not matter. Raiders, good at home, though, this season. They're good at uh, on defense in the second half of the season. They've been great. Just one of the bright spots of the league for a turnaround there for them. Uh, this is a Stidham revenge game. He was on the Raiders, what, last year, two years ago? I think it was last year. Um, he was on the Raiders. Broncos offense, I think they're going to struggle this game with him at the helm. They struggled against the Chargers defense, who sucks last week. They're going to struggle against a defense that's playing good and at home. Uh, this week, I think the Raiders get the win. Uh, finish with what would be what eight and nine I think you take that I think you take eight and nine when you fired your coach midseason um basically they are looking like they're just going to be the team that just looks bad fires their coach turns it around then has to get a new coach but we'll, we'll see what they do in the offseason here it's going to be a big offseason for them overall what they do at quarterback whether maybe they take the Broncos quarterback or whatever could happen here but we'll see um, I got the Raiders in this game. I got the Raiders as well. I think they're a better team and they're not on uh and they didn't just bench their starting quarterback for reasons that are still very confusing to a lot of the public. Uh, yep. I just don't trust the Broncos at all. Uh, I think the Raiders have a lot more star power. And like you said, Josh, they have a lot of pieces in place and they have a solid future ahead of them. If they want to rock with AOC, let him get more familiar with an offensive system. Uh, just another year in the NFL like get let him get acclimated. I mean, I think they can have a little bit of success with that if they see him as a long-term solution. Or if they have a top 10, top 12 pick, maybe they somehow take a swing at Jaden Daniels or Penix, depending on how you view those two. But, or, I mean, I've seen a couple mocks where they move Crosby and a couple firsts to move all the way up to one just to go take Caleb Williams. So 
I have no idea what the Raiders are going to be You're doing. You're not this getting offseason. that. Don't don't even. Put I, I'm not even. Air. I'm not You're asking not for that. that. I, I've seen people propose <laughs> it that aren't even Bears fans, and I'm thinking there's no way they give up one of the best edge rushers in the league just for a swing at a quarterback because we all know that quarterbacks in the first round are lottery tickets at best. So, I mean, I'm going with the Raiders. I like their future. I like what they have right now. They're at home. I think they'll put on a solid show to finish out the year. They're a players run team. I think Devontae Adams is I think Devontae should get his wish of having Antonio Pierce back next year as their head coach. Mm-hmm. I, I think he makes a lot of sense for them, for their culture, for the locker room in general. So I'm going with Vegas. Yeah, these two teams played in week one. That was a long time ago. A lot of things have changed. Now Jared Stidham versus AOC. Since being named starter, AOC's been pretty good. Four and four record, completing sixty one percent of his passes. Nine touchdowns, five interceptions. He's been okay. I think Antonio Pierce has done a great job um, somehow fixing this team's culture that was just not good before him. Um, and I think he just has them, no matter what the outcome is, I think they're going to play hard. Uh, this outcome doesn't matter for them in this game. They're out of the playoffs, but they're playing for pride. I think they go out and play hard. I think they bully the Broncos a little bit. Crosby makes Stidham uncomfortable. Broncos run defense is 31st in the NFL. Very bad. I think Zamir White's going to come out and have a another solid game. I think the Raiders win this one, and the Broncos are just dead coming off the Russell Wilson drama. So I hope they get hit in the gut. All right, moving on here. Zach, start us off with some Bears at Packers. All right, Bears-Packers, uh, week 18. It's kind of poetic that the bookends of the season, at least for Chicago, is starting with Green Bay and ending with Green Bay. I'm going to preface this by saying that I'm going to sound really excited for this. Uh, It may, the anticipation I may be building for maybe myself, but for all of you guys at home, it might seem like they're playing in the NFC championship game again, but they're really not. One team is fighting for a playoff spot. The other one is just looking for hope in the future. So for this game, the two teams, they are vastly different from week one. Obviously Jordan love, he's got an entire season as a starter under his belt, but the bears they are not the same team at all that the Packers played in week one. For one, uh, the Bears defensive line has vastly improved. Part of it is acquiring Montez Sweat at the trade deadline. But the other part of it is just Iberflus learned how to call defense and he's actually gotten pretty good at it because, I mean, he was pretty solid in Indy and that's why he got a head coaching job in the first place. So if the Bears want to win, they're going to have to get pressure on Jordan Love. Uh, we see what Jordan Love is when he gets pressured, and when he doesn't get pressured, uh, he throws dots like he did against the Bears in week one. I still don't think he's anything too special. I'm not freaking out over here thinking, oh, yeah, he's the third Hall of Fame quarterback in a row. It's still really early. I don't think he's going to be this, this top 10 quarterback. I think within this system with uh, Matt LaFleur as his coach, he can have success, and with a good team around him, they can make the playoffs, maybe win the division a couple times, but – I don't think he by himself is anything too special. Now, on the Bears side, they, they've they got a lot of young players that have been playing really well since the last time these two teams played. Uh, one matchup I'm really looking forward to, or two matchups, is Rashawn Gary against Darnell Wright. And Darnell Wright held his own in week one in his first ever start pretty well, aside from one or two plays where Rashawn Gary got the better of him because Rashawn Gary's a really good edge rusher. Like, what can I say? And Jaden Reed against Kyler Gordon in the slot. Kyler Gordon has cemented himself arguably a top 10 slot corner in the league. And it's a very tough position to play. He's been great in run defense and in pass defense as well. So I've been really impressed by him, but Jaden Reed, he's been phenomenal as well in the absence of Christian Watson and in the mix with Wicks and Dobbs and even Kraft and Musgrave at the tight end spot. He's getting a lot of targets. He's getting a lot of touchdowns. I I respect what he's doing. I wanted him on Chicago coming into the year and it's just, 
It, it sucks that I got to see him ball out in Green Bay. Now, this game is arguably one of the biggest of Justin Fields' career. I've said that two other times on this podcast, one of which was week one against Green Bay, and the other one was against Cleveland a few weeks ago. They lost them both. Uh, this game impacts probably just his job security either in Chicago or what the asking price will be for him if they decide to move him. Now, I don't have – this game will probably decide whether the Bears keep him. We saw uh, last week Bears and Falcons that George McCaskey, he was sitting up in the press box while the Bears fans were chanting, we want fields, we want fields. George McCaskey, I think we all know, he's not a crazy like football operations guy. He's more of a fan than really a, a smart individual, if I want to put that bluntly. But all due respect to him and Virginia, uh, they, they just – I think they should sell regardless uh, this game. If fields beats the Packers for, for, for the first time in five years, this could have a very large impact on how George Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles view uh, him leading this team going forward. He's played really well as a whole since coming back from that thumb injury. He's still got a wrap on that hand and I don't think he's at a hundred percent still, but regardless, he's been playing really well last week. He had a couple of really nice throws. He had one or two that he wanted to take back, but he had some plays last week where he was showing that Justin Fields magic from 2022. It was really impressive. And if he can go into Green Bay in a hostile environment, a place where they don't do much other than watch football, then I think you have to take that into consideration when you are looking at your quarterback spot for next year. Now, that's basically my analysis for this game, but I want to go on a little bit of a tangent for what I expect the Bears to be looking at for next year. I want to get this out of the way now because I don't think I'll be able to hold it in without talking about the Bears for, I don't know, probably a month and a half until after the Super Bowl. So I just want to get all my grievances out now. Ryan Poles is going to be looking at this option as Caleb Williams plus five years of control at pick number one plus whatever return you get for fields. I think you can get a first for him because, I mean, a few years ago, Stan, uh, Sam Darnold went for a second, a fourth, and a sixth. And he's been riding the, the the bench ever since, like in multiple places. So I think if you get a team desperate enough, maybe Atlanta, especially after they saw him have one of the better games of his career. I mean, you get him inside in a dome and on that turf, he's going to fly both through the air and on the ground. I think that could be a really solid match. I love that fit. Them. I love that fit for them. Him, him, Bijan, hits because, I mean, uh, Cole Komet, the last a good years. old line over everything. A good, a good old line, yeah. But I mean, you look at Cole Komet, he's had some really solid years the last two years with Fields steadily improving. It's not like Fields is regressing, he's gotten better and better each year. It's not like a crazy exponential graph, but it's a very nice y equals mx plus b linear graph. Now, the other side of the behind door number two, this is the analogy that I made in my uh blog post, I think last week. If you decide to keep fields, you can move back from one, whether it's to two or to three, you can pick up an extra first next year and you can take Marvin Harrison Jr. In my opinion, I think the duo of Marvin Harrison Jr. and DJ Moore can be a top 10 wide receiver duo without playing a snap together. That's how good Marvin Harrison Jr. is and how good DJ Moore has been, especially with that connection with Justin Fields. Now, if you move Justin Fields, you will probably upset a, at least 50% of the locker room. You've had multiple players come out willingly, not even just because of interview questions. They come out willingly on podcasts and in interviews. They rave about how uh, intelligent Justin Fields is, how special of a player he is. That's a word that they've come across a lot. And just how much they love him and how much they want him to be the quarterback. DJ Moore, TJ Edwards, Jaquan Brisker. 
the rookie Tyreek Stevenson, who just had two picks against Atlanta. They all have come out and said, and more guys, and they've said, I want Justin Fields to be my goddamn quarterback next year. So if you get rid of that and that culture you instill in the locker room, combined with Fluce and Fields, because I think Fluce is winning over some of the guys as well. If you keep them both, I think you keep a majority of the locker room happy and you build on that culture and the team around Fields will not be bad whatsoever. So you can, I think if you keep Fields and you trade back from one and you stay at like, I don't know, whatever pick you have, somewhere between eight and 14, I don't know how everything's going to shake out by the end of the year. With the Bears own pick, you could go edge rusher. You could even move back again, get a lesser edge rusher, maybe pick up another first, depending on what team is desperate enough. Either way, you may be able to walk out of this draft with a quarterback with two years of control and another couple years to evaluate him. And you can just give him arguably the best. Year five is crazy. I, it's not year five. It's I, wait, year, you said you have a couple more years to evaluate. He needs two I, more years to evaluate. Year I'm kind of just spewing right now. I need some water. Just give me a minute. <laughs> so I, I don't think you should have to evaluate. But the one thing I have noticed about Fields, he's gotten better every single year. The back half of this season, he's been doing stuff from the pocket that we've been asking from him the past couple years, especially throwing with anticipation with a capital A. And we've seen that a lot. Uh, I wouldn't say a lot, a lot more than we did in the first part of the season. So I've really liked what I've seen from him growth wise, but obviously given it's year three, I feel like you have to expect a little bit better. So I think if fields goes out there and throws 250 yards, gets 75 yards, rushing, no turnovers, uh, gets three total touchdowns, wins the game by a possession or two. I think him and Flus are both back regardless of who the quarterback or head coach is next year. Getsy has to go. The play calling, the play design, just the sequencing in general is just non-existent. I think you could ask uh, probably our buddy Ritz nephew to just call plays on Madden and you might have more success than Luke Getze does calling an NFL offense. So I don't know if they keep Eberflus. I don't know who they would go after as an offensive coordinator. Maybe try and poach someone from Miami and that McDaniel system and the Shanahan tree. Or you go out and get Ken Dorsey and see if he's got anything left in the tank, see if he wants to come coach a similar uh, player build to Justin to Josh Allen in Justin Fields. Both big, strong quarterbacks, uh, solid arms, or more than solid arms, can throw the ball really far, really accurately, and just phenoms with their legs and just can make crazy plays on the ground, whether it's strength or finesse. He could work with that. I'm not asking for him, but I don't have an exact place where I want the Bears to go right now. I just know that they're in a win-win situation, whether they rock with Fields or Caleb Williams next year. I'm excited for this offseason. And Bears fans, if you thought this offseason was a really, or this past offseason was a great one, sit tight because this one's going to be even better. Floor is yours. Yeah, I don't know much to say about this game. Bears have a chance to play spoiler. <laughs> Green Bay, they still made the playoffs with a Minnesota loss, uh, a Seattle loss. Oh, uh, hold on. If they lose if they lose this game, they need a Minnesota loss, a Seattle loss, and then one of Tampa Bay or New Orleans to lose. Uh, Jordan Love's coming off a good game last week. The O-line's coming off a good game last week. Uh, I like the Vikings blitz games more than I like the Bears. History is on the Packers' side, 26-4. and four. In the last 30, 7-1 and one in the last 8 in Lambeau, uh, give me the Packers easily. Oh, I'm also going with the Chicago Bears. I'm just – I'm rolling with my guys, so. Yeah, Um. just one quick question. Zach, what was the players you said that came out in support of Fields? Uh, DJ Moore, TJ Edwards, 
Jaquan Brisker, Tyreek Stevenson, a couple former Bears as well, like Roquan Smith, uh, Darrington Evans. I know he's not even on a roster right now, but he's an NFL player. He's better than us. He's seen what he does live and in action. I I respect his opinion. It Breaking may not be news, the right players one. support their friends. Breaking news. I just play it's just a lot of defensive guys. I don't see a, you only named one offensive guy there. That's I mean, they got to go up against them in practice, right? I mean, but you think the offensive players would be in support, and maybe they're happy he's going up against them in practice because I mean, Darnell Mooney's probably not here this year, and then I don't know. The O line's just been a revolving door, especially on the interior with all the injuries and the fact that we haven't had a good center since I don't know, like Alan Cruz, I guess. But yeah, well, CJ Stroud doesn't have the the best weapons either, and he's been playing um, very well. But for the Packers, this is pretty much almost an identical scenario last year with uh you win and you're in um Seahawks loss puts a Seahawks win and their loss puts Seahawks in the playoffs but Bears are one of the hottest teams right now um they have a very good rushing attack and that's what Green Bay has been struggling with uh Packers defense are 0-4 when they surrender more than 155 rushing yards per game uh right now the Bears are averaging 145 yards per game which is second best in the NFL I think that's going to be a big factor uh, Packers have won nine straight games against the Bears, and picking against Green Bay in this situation is tough to do. Uh, like you said, Zach, I guess the way you said those stats for Fields, you'd almost have to have the best game of his career then. But I think the Bears find a way to win this one, to be honest. I think the Packers choke again. I This is one of the toughest ones to pick because I just don't like the Bears playing with any sort of pressure. And I was pretty confident picking the bears until field said that statement yeah, about, it puts uh, pressure on himself man uh yeah about green bay that almost talking about me... intelligence i mean that's just an unintelligent move <laughs> yeah that just I, I don't get that talking smack to the packers fans they're gonna be out for blood this game hope they want 70 yeah i want the <laughs> i just think the bears run game has been too good but i've been wrong about the bears before i think week one i picked the bears and the packers won so maybe i should switch it but i think uh, Bears rushing attack gets it done and their defense is able to hold strong but if Jordan Love finds a way to win this game uh, on top of the Bears fans being in shambles over losing the game Jordan Love is going to look like a, another Bear killer back to back so I got the Bears but this is a tough one. Yeah I mean th- with this game being the last one of the year for the Bears they all the players know you can't go into the off season with this sour taste in your mouth. There is no game next week where you can kind of rinse it down by beating the Panthers or just, I don't know, beat up on the lions again, but you, you can't, this is going to be something that's going to sit with you the entire off season. If you lose and it will 100, this game, regardless if they win or lose, it will have an impact on who is the head coach next year and the quarterback next year. If Eberflus goes through two years going 0 and four against the Packers, I mean, the McCaskies aren't smart football people, but they they value beating those rivals. So I think if he goes 0-4 in these two years, I think he should be gone. So, But he has had an impressive turnaround through the second half of the year. He's gotten good control of the defense. The guys in the locker room seem to like him. So it wouldn't shock me to see Iberflus back, but I think it's smarter for us to go. If we're getting rid of Flus, I think we need to gut the entire coaching staff get a new quarterback, pair him with a young offensive mind at head coach. I think that's just the smartest idea that that's probably out there. But if you keep Flus, I think you need to keep fields instead of having a quarterback, like drafting a new quarterback, getting one year in a system with them, like uh, Nagy with fields. And then 
it's going to be Bryce Young and Frank Reich and Chris Tabor is interim head coach and he's going to get a new one next year. You're just, you're starting that cycle over and over and over again. It was the same with Mitch and John Fox. And then he got Nagy after a year with Fox. Like you got to break the cycle somehow. So if you get, I think Flus and Field should be tied this off season, regardless of success. I think you need to, if you're keeping Flus, you should keep Fields. Well, luckily for the Bears, they won't be able to wipe that sour taste out their mouth by beating the Lions again because their season's over in three days. But anyways, um, moving on here, Eagles at Giants. That, that was my point. That's what I said. <laughs> Season, <laughs> season's over. Season's over. Um, Eagles, they need to win this game to have a chance at a two seed. They also need the Cowboys loss, as do the Lions, uh, to win that division. Giants can capitalize on playing spoiler. Uh, they're playing a slumping team, a team I'm not confident in at all in the Eagles right now. I just don't think the Eagles... Uh, defense is going to be able to stop anyone in the playoffs. And if they can't stop the Giants here, I think that just proves that. I mean, they're going to play Tampa Bay. They're probably going to beat Tampa. But then they're going to play the Niners. And I think the Niners could absolutely obliterate them to the point where NBC or whatever has to put a rated R rating on that game. I think it will be an absolute beat to hell. But uh, Jalen Hurts needs a mistake-free game uh, before the playoffs. Do I think he's going to do it? No, because he makes mistakes. Um, I'm going to pick the Eagles, but uh, like I said, I have no confidence in the Eagles having a chance to make the NFC championship. Yeah. It's crazy that us humans are not perfect. And we do make mistakes. That's, that's the craziest concept I've ever heard. Good quarterbacks don't really make mistakes though. He makes a lot of mistakes, but we're all people and we're all imperfect in the, this isn't a people thing. This is a, (laughs) I don't want my quarterback to make mistakes and no quarter, no quarterbacks are without mistakes, but I understand without is without is completely different. No one's obviously no one's going to make have mistake free seasons but if you are consistently throwing picks and missing reads and making bad plays at the end of football games that's not a all humans make mistakes thing that's like you're not as good of a quarterback as your predecessors i think a good majority of that is nick sirianni not doing a good enough job to replace the staff he lost this year and i think we're seeing that with the colts and it's how much his, it's his fault having. that jalen hurts chucks it down the field on the last i'm not saying I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying the season as a whole. Hey, hey, you just said the season as a whole. It's hard to go mistake-free. Okay, I think the season as a whole was a somewhat mistake for Sirianni because he didn't do a proper uh, job replacing his coordinators, and we're seeing that with, one, the Eagles secondary and pass rush. They are nowhere near as good as they were last year, and we're seeing Arizona. They're a very well-coached team, and now we're seeing Indianapolis fight for their playoff lives this week with a win-and-in situation, if I'm not mistaken, and I mean, they have a backup quarterback. Like, I, I agree, you... Sirianni's trash. But I mean, yeah. I'm tired of making coach excuses for quarterbacks. On decision. I'm not even trying to make an excuse. I'm just decision saying that... making is a quarterback problem. It's not your coach. He's not making the decisions out there. That's you not are. exactly true. I, I, I'm no, no. You, you Sirianni told him to throw a bomb down the field in that game. I have, did you guys co- hear about that? If they're coaching him to to do that, then yeah, that's a coaching issue. I'm not saying Hurts is without blame because one, you could throw the ball better. And two, you don't have to listen to your coach. But if your coach is telling you, hey, in this situation, let's just take a shot because we have time to do so. And it's just, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I think that game is single-handedly, I think that single game is the only reason why Julian Love made the Pro Bowl. But regardless, that's, it's neither here nor there. I'm going Philly. I think this is a game where they have a get right chance uh, before the playoffs if they look good, then I'll feel a lot better about them in the in the postseason. Maybe they have another game against Tampa, New Orleans, Atlanta, whoever ends up winning that shitty division uh, just in the wild card round. 
and maybe they have two get right games. If they just string two together, they can feel a little bit more confident about themselves and their high school level offense, what it seems, because they run no outside zone whatsoever. Everything is up the middle behind Jason Kelsey, Landon Dickerson, and maybe a little bit of Lane Johnson. But that's that's not my uh, delegation. So I don't trust Philly in the playoffs. But like you said, Josh, if they match up with San Francisco, that's a mauling. I think rated R is not enough. They might have to throw four of them bitches up there because that's going to that's gonna be brutal. So I'm going Philly with this one, and I until they prove to me otherwise, I'm not confident about them in the playoffs whatsoever. Wait, you said Julian Love? You're talking about the Seattle game. Yeah. I'm talking about yeah. the game last week where they're playing against one of the worst teams in the league, and he does it again. He's done it two of the last three weeks now. I mean, this is a problem that we had before the, before the Eagles got good. People forget, before Jalen Hurts was an MVP caliber player, people forget that his problem was he couldn't, he just didn't have the intelligence to play quarterback because he couldn't make decisions ever. He would always make the wrong decision. Now he's in a perfect situation last season. One of the best defenses, one of the best offenses, great coordinators. He looks good. He loses coordinators. They spend the money on him. His defense and his offense aren't as good now. And now he sucks. So I think it's a, I think it's a mixing pot of a lot of things, but yes, Jalen hurts is not without blame and the situation around him getting worse has definitely highlighted a few of his flaws. Definitely. But I, I still yeah. think he's a top 10 quarterback. We've seen plays I think that he's, he's top made 10. that are... I just don't think he sniffs top five. I mean, that's not even a knock on him. That's just like, there's talent everywhere. Like Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, uh, Lamar, obviously. He's probably top two now, especially after this year. But, um, I mean, even Herbert when he's healthy. But a lot of people aren't liking Herbert because he doesn't win games or whatever. But... I still think Trevor Lawrence is in that top seven, top eight conversation. Herbert's a better I, quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Um, I agree. Definitely. I agree. In that. I agree. But like Trevor Lawrence, I I still think he's really good. He's got he's got a crazy arm. I trust him a lot. I'm trying to think of other quarterbacks. Uh, Dak is up there as well. I think you could throw Kirk into that top seven conversation as well. But. Uh, decision making for me is just the number one red flag if you have decision making problems i don't care if you're the best athlete in the world it's i mean we're looking at it with your boy honestly i mean not to bring it back to the bears again i don't want (laughs) to i I wasn't even going to go in depth about it but i i (laughs) I see your point yeah but did we mike you still talk about this camera yeah yeah Yeah. um i just wanted to (laughs) sorry we we got off on a tangent there I thought you were uh, talking about the or the Seahawks game too, not the Cardinals one. We talked about that, but I agree with the decision making completely. I don't know if you saw the uh, interview they did with AJ Brown talking about that interception and how Sirianni really didn't throw that up at all. It was just Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown decided to go rogue on that play. You could tell it was obvious. It was pretty obvious. And, it's um, just two two superstars trying to make a play. But that's just something you absolutely cannot do, and that's a play that could cost them now the two seed. So you can do that in um, week one. Can't do it in week 15 when you're <laughs> fighting for your life. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, uh, I I think the Eagles win this game. They have to. Their run defense has been rough recently. If Saquon Barkley can run wild on them, there's a chance maybe. But for the Eagles, you just you cannot lose this game. If you do, then you're going in the playoffs on a low. And I, they played the Bucs early this year, and that was when they were hot and the Bucs were really still didn't know what they were doing. If the Bucs make the playoffs and are looking good this week. I can see the Bucs possibly upsetting them in the playoffs, but that's a that. 
it will be a road game for Philly. So yeah, and it would be a road game. So Baker, I mean, that would be that that'd be a good game. I don't even really like I don't really have anything against the Eagles just in general at all. It's just Hurts and Sirianni are just like maybe the two most unlikable dudes in football. Sirianni bothers me i i don't hate hurts i think yeah, hurts i think he okay. doesn't bother me he's just cringe yeah, right. that's what i'm yeah, that's I the part that. that i just yeah, yeah i feel like he just tries too hard to to yeah. be be something maybe he's not but whatever i went from like in sirianni he was coming from the colts he was the our offensive coordinator went to philly but yeah he's just everything he's kind of done become unbearable screaming in the tunnels not screaming to the fans screaming to the colts fans acting like we are the people who fired frank Reich last frank. year yeah <laughs> Colts fans love getting him back for that. We tweeted every week that he loses. And uh, I wonder if that game against the Cardinals was for Frank Reich too. But yeah, I got the Eagles winning this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of the Seahawks and the Cardinals, uh, Seahawks at Cardinals here. Uh, Seahawks are eliminated with a loss here. And they need a Green Bay loss as well if they win this game to clinch so they can win and still not get in here. Uh, Cardinals are a scrappy defensive team. Uh, and we saw last week how good their offense can be at times. Um, Geno Smith needs to hold on to the football and not make mistakes. Um, this is another one where, like, even though like it should be pretty easy to pick the Seahawks here, another one where I'm tempted to pick the Cardinals. Um, I'm gonna go with the Seahawks. I'll go with the Seahawks. I went with Seattle as well. Uh, the philosophy of a team having something to play for against a team who has nothing to play for, aside from like draft position, that'll always reign supreme in my head. But I completely understand where you're coming from. The Cardinals, they're not a – I can't even say they're not a bad team. They've got some good players who can make plays at certain times that can really impact how a game turns out. See Kyler Murray and James Conner last week, especially with that sick one-handed grab from Conner. I mean, I don't think anybody saw that coming, but he's a good player, so he made a play happen. And, I mean, Cardinals beat the Eagles last week. Who's to say that they can't beat another bird team this week? I think Seattle gets it done. I think they uh, put their fate in the hands of the Chicago Bears, which is – now that I'm saying it, Seattle fans, you should be petrified. But I think Seattle wins, and they do their part to make the playoffs. Yeah, both of these teams are playing for a lot, actually. Cardinals, they win. They probably drop out of the top three in the draft. Um, Seahawks obviously need to win to make the playoffs. Cardinals, last week, offense was clicking on all cylinders against that weak Eagles defense. 221 yards rushing, 449 yards of total offense. 32 first downs, held the ball for almost 40 minutes. Um, James Conner has been very, very good recently. Uh, six touchdowns in the past four games. In 12 games this season, he has 1,001 yards with eight total touchdowns. Seahawks, in the first matchup, they had three turnovers. They were able to win the game 20-10. to 10. Josh Dobbs was starting. There was no James Conner, no Kyler, obviously. Um, I'm Actually, I'm going to go with the Cardinals in this one. Their offense clicking last week. Seahawks last year, they got the win. They had everything go right to make the playoffs. I think this year, it doesn't work out well. So I'm going to go risky. I like the Cardinals team. And although it hurts me to hurt, if they hurt their playoff odds, because I want to see Marvin Harrison Jr. on the Cardinals next season. Yes. I just think that, I just think they're they're going to win this game. I think Kyler Murray has been playing great. So I mean, I even a loss that they would need the the. Patriots and commanders to both win in order for them to get back into the top three or one of those two teams to win along with them losing. So Patriots are winning though. So I, I guess so, but I, uh, we, 
Zach and I talked about it earlier about how we're going to at some point in the next few weeks here in the coming weeks, we don't have as many games to talk about uh, go team by team and talk about a season overview and whatnot for looking forward. Uh, I just want a little, little teaser preview here. Um, I think uh, Kyler Murray is not just one of the most underrated players in football. I think he's one of the most underrated players in all of professional sports right now. The way he doesn't get talked about for how good he is, is just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But honestly, it's the team he's on. It is the team he's on. That's a hundred percent it. I mean, even when the only time he got any recognition is when they went eight and no for that first half of the right. season. It's the only time he got any recognition. But if you go look at his career stats, he's just gotten better every year and he's been he's been yeah. a great player his whole career. But I kill for him to that, be a bear. <laughs> I'm glad that Gannon came out and said no matter what, he's their quarterback of the future. Yeah, gotta be. I mean, it would uh, even great. the only way it would make sense is if they ended up with the first pick, then they have a decision to make. There was if they didn't have the first pick, there was never a decision. I mean, they're not going to take Drake McKay. That would be crazy. I mean, we did talk about it a little bit. Like, what if the Cardinals happened to finish with the first pick? Uh, Kyler never came back. What if Kyler went to, like, the Falcons? But obviously, that's not on the table anymore. But Yeah. Then it's a decision. Especially if he he never came back, then it's definitely a decision. Right. But, like, he's coming back. He's won a couple games, too. And he's been in pretty much all of them. Yeah, he's looked phenomenal. With his uh, best weapon being Trey McBride. Yeah, bro. And Hollywood Brown being out for like probably the last month or so and not even finishing a game for the last five or six weeks because of that damn heel. I mean, that O-line is garbage, too. Yeah, aside James from Paris Johnson. Yeah, yeah, James yeah, Conner has been great. Yes. Yeah, has been good. Um, But he's also he was also hurt for a while, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was on IR for a little while. Moving on here. Chiefs at Chargers. Uh, Casey, like I said earlier, locked in at the three seed Chargers defense. I just don't think they're going to be able to stop Casey at all. Uh, I don't know who is playing and who's not for the Chiefs. Um, no Mahomes. No Mahomes confirmed. Blaine Gabbert. Oh right, I did see that. Yeah, it's a toss up. Then I, I had on here. It's a toss up <laughs> if the if the Chiefs play the starters or don't play their starters. So, oh, what, oh, what am I saying? It's the Chargers. I'm picking the Chiefs. I'm picking the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, I don't even I, know why I consider that. It's I didn't hard. think it was that hard. Uh, yeah, it Chiefs wasn't. Are, Chiefs. I forgot who the Chargers were for a second. <laughs> I mean. I don't have much to say about this one. Chargers are the Chargers. Chiefs are resting people. I mean, like I said, maybe a few guys on the Chiefs are going to throw on a, a clinic or something just to put on tape what they can do and what they can bring to a team in a limited role next year. But I think Kansas City, they're just better coach team. I'm, Yeah, Kansas City. Yeah, Chargers, no Keenan Allen, no Joey Bosa. Had interim coach Giff Smith. I guess I didn't even know who they got at interim coach, but Giff Smith never – um, yeah, I, I never, I never even thought about it for a second. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a good um, name. Yeah, GIFF. A GIFF. I like that. So I'm, Jeff Gif. I like it Jif. either way. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not getting. <laughs> yeah, Jif. yeah, yeah. Jeff is the peanut butter. Gif is the moving picture on your phone. I think they're both Jeff. No, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I think they're both Jeff, and I think this guy's Jeff as well. <laughs> I don't know, two Fs. Maybe he's Jif. Yeah, hold it. <laughs> yeah, um, but for the Chiefs, no Mahomes. Travis Kelsey might still play. He is at 984 receiving yards. He might want to get to 1,000 and then sit. Chris Jones, he might play as well. He needs a half a sack to get to his $1.25 million bonus of 10 sacks. He's sitting at 9.5. Uh, he did not practice Wednesday. He has a groin injury. Shouldn't have missed the first game. Yeah, Um. 
it might be in their best interest, him and Justin Reed, to both not play. They're both a little banged up, but we'll see where that goes. Andy Reid has said it's probably the player's decision on if they want to play. Um, I think earlier in the season I said I wasn't going to pick the Chargers again, so I'm just going to stick with that. I'm going to give myself a long time. I got the Chiefs winning. Their team is better. I don't trust the Chargers at all, although Easton Stick looked solid last week. so. But I got the Chiefs winning all right, moving on here to Rams at 49ers. Uh, I just want to say I've been asking for the Lions to get their damn respect for a long time, and it looks like the Rams are doing that by benching their starters for this game and not locking themselves in the sixth seed. By doing that, they are saying we do not care if we play Philadelphia, Dallas, or the Lions. They're looking at all those teams equally, uh, which... I don't know if it should be equal. I think the Lions are the best of that bunch. But regardless, they are looking at all of them equally. Um, we got Wentz versus Darnold. Uh, those being backups playing each other in 2023 is wild. I lo- I'm so happy Carson Wentz <laughs> is playing. Um, uh, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like the Niners at home. Uh, they got a, we, historically, Shanahan does own McVay outside of the uh, one NFC championship game, which is the one that mattered, but uh historically Shanahan does own McVay. Um I look at the quarterbacks probably about the same, I guess. I mean, we haven't seen Darnold, I feel like, in a starting role in a long time. We haven't seen Wentz in a starting role in a long time either. Um we just saw Wentz last year. When I mean no Wentz with Washington last year. Yeah. Oh, Washington. I was thinking about the Colts. Oh, you're right. He <laughs> was but he got benched like week six or something. Didn't he seven? Yeah, he, got hurt, he got hurt after week five Thursday night football <laughs> against. He got uh, hurt. He got. He got. No, hurt. he he had like a nasty stinger on the thumb or something. But I mean, at, at, then they realized, yeah, we with this guy. Well, no, the they, obviously they didn't go back to him. But yeah, yeah they Wentz is an interesting guy. I, for some reason, him being on the Commanders just completely goes over my head. I just his I last about his Baker last team. I think of the Colts. Yes, yes, exactly. And right. Darnold with the Panthers, kind of too. Yeah. But yeah. um, yeah. Once Darnold, I'm gonna go with Darnold and the Niners at home. Yeah, I'm going San Francisco. But to your point about uh the Rams sitting their starters because they don't care who they play, I think they care about not like injuring their starters. I don't That's think what I mean. They're about... overvaluing who they play versus their injuring their starters. Yeah, I... a lot of teams don't. I don't think it's that deep. They just don't want to hurt anybody. They don't care about their matchup. They'll play who's in front of them, and they'll probably put 20, 25 to 30 points on them because they got the weapons. I got San Francisco in this one. I'm not watching it. Uh, I'll probably watch the YouTube highlights of the Wentz-Darnold Bowl. It'll certainly be one of the quarterback battles of all time. So I'm going San Francisco and Shanahan here. Yeah, 49ers probably might still play a decent chunk of their starters. So it would be no purdy, but three weeks off is a long time. You want to at least give some of the guys a chance to stay ready to go. Rams, nothing to play for. They're focused on being healthy, like you guys said. I just expect the 49ers to win this one in San Francisco. Like you said, Shannon kind of was McVay. I'm going with the 49ers. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about three weeks is a lot of time. A lot. That's um, – I think that – well, for a team – It's a lot of time. Like 49ers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of time for two things. One, you can fall out of rhythm, and within this Shanahan offense, there's a lot of timing and rhythm. I know the, the two rhythm uh, words cannot be interchangeable with each other, but you could fall out of rhythm kind of like baseball a little bit where you just fall out of a routine, 
or you could just get healthy. CMC twinged that calf last week. So if you get a healthy CMC on a week and a half of full rest where he's healthy, that's scary for whoever faces San Francisco first. Yeah. I mean, if we, uh, I think of it as three weeks rest. If we go into the second round of the playoffs and Purdy goes in there and throws three picks and looks rusty as hell, there's going to be conversations about the one seed and getting the buy and resting your starters week 18 for a long time. Cause three weeks is, I mean, we've seen teams do it before, but still like, it's always something that's, you don't know. It's right. I mean, it's rest versus rust. It's the longest debate of all time. Right. But I mean, then just because of luck the next year, I mean, not Andrew luck, just uh, like four leaf clover luck. Uh, someone's going to play their starters in week 18 when they don't need to. And then they're going to break a leg. Like, yeah. And and then that that debate goes on and on for another couple decades because that's, that's just how it is. That's how it is. Um, still playing your bowl games though, kids. Come on now, what are we doing? Um, <laughs> next game here, Cowboys at Commanders. Uh, I don't know much about this one either. Cowboys clinched the division with a win. Uh, them, the Eagles, and the Lions still fighting to see who's going to get that too. Uh, I think this is a game where their offense has to get right. They haven't been good the past three weeks. They were not good against the Lions last week who are a defense that even though they've been getting hot recently, they're overall not a very good defense in the passing department. Um, Week before that, that was the Dolphins game, right? Yeah, they didn't play well in that game. And then the Bills game before that, they really didn't play well. Uh, So they need a big game here after those three straight duds. This is a good tune-up for them. The commander's defense is garbage. Uh, Commander's offense is garbage. Uh, The Cowboys should win big here. And then if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd hope let's get up by 20 points at half and See if we can get away with resting some guys. Yeah, I mean, if this game was at a different time slot than the Eagles-Giants game, I'm sure I'd be thinking different or we would all be thinking different because of rest. But Dallas, they're going to be playing their starters for at least the first half just to get a big lead. I expect them to go up 20 points before halftime. Their defense is going to be balling. Their offense is probably going to go through CeeDee Lamb like I said they should last week, and they did, and they won. Whether they should have won or whether – I I don't know. Thanks, Brad Allen. I just love seeing Detroit fans in misery. It's just scummy. It's scummy how the Lions (laughs) play at noon and these two teams play at 325. I'm still pissed about that. Like, that's so annoying. You move the schedule around for everybody. And then somehow, I mean, the one of the best teams in the NFL just gets fucked for no reason. There's seven three o'clock games. You could have put the Lions at one of them instead of the fucking Broncos at Raiders. I think they did the Vikings very dirty, but I'm going Dallas in this one. So. I think they're going to make easy work of the commanders. Yeah, commanders are very bad. Their defense is very bad. This is probably Ron Rivera's final game in Washington. Uh, Commanders, um, the Cowboys are just better in every aspect. Their defense is bad against the pass, third most passing yards in the NFL. I expect Dak to have a big day early, CD to have a big day early. And like you said, Zach, I think they try to get to a big lead as quick as possible and close to a victory, benching a couple players in the fourth. But they need to do that to just prevent injuries. An injury in this game would be killer. Um, it's week 18. You never know. Maybe the commanders come out and have their best performance of the season. But um, I can also see them putting out one of their worst. So I don't know who's playing quarterback for the commanders. Uh, but no matter what, I got the Cowboys winning it. All right. Moving on here to Sunday night football battle for the East. Bills at Dolphins. What a huge game to end the regular season here. Uh, like I said, the winner of this game wins the AFC East, which at the couple months ago when the Bills fired Dorsey and they were sitting at under 500, it was like, are they even going to have a shot at the playoffs? Now they can win the division. Now they can make the two seed, uh, but they could also miss the playoffs. Uh, if the Bills lose this game, they need 
uh, Pittsburgh or Jacksonville to lose to make the playoffs. Uh, both those teams are favorites, though. So there's definitely a world where both of those teams go in, go and uh, win their games on Saturday and Sunday, respectively. And then we have a Bills win two seed. Uh, Bills lose, miss the playoffs, which would just be would just be an insane situation. I would love to see that happen. Um, ultimate chaos. Waddle, Xavier Howard, and Raheem Mostert have not been practicing this week. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they play, uh, especially Howard. Not having Howard in this game would be huge. And, well, and Waddle, too. Uh, my, uh, the Buffalo secondary is not great. They've been much better since they had a result Douglas at the deadline. Uh, a move that, when it happened, I was like, oh, I wish the Lions would have done something like that. Uh, and they did not. The Bills did, and it benefited the Bills greatly. Um, I'm a little worried that Miami isn't healthy enough in this game, even at home. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, but I'm going to take the Bills here. Honestly, I don't know where to go with this one. My gut, when I was just looking at the schedule, said Miami. And I think I'm going to stick with that. I just, I think they're going to want revenge uh, on what happened to them earlier in the year. They lost 48 to 20 last time these two teams met. Uh, if this game was in Buffalo, this would be vastly different because Buffalo in January is very different than Miami in January. Uh, Buffalo, they're going to be pleasantly surprised with the weather in this game. Miami, maybe they're going to be a little bit chilly, but it's not going to affect them too greatly. Uh, I think Miami, Tyreek Hill, Tua, I think they get back on track. I think they get a lot of passing yards uh, against this defense because they've been a little weak lately as outside of Razul Douglas. And I just, I, I see Miami just closing out the division. They let their foot off the pedal a little bit too much. And I think they're obviously they realize it now. Uh, maybe it's just me watching a little bit of hard knocks the past couple days, uh, kind of falling in love with Jalen Phillips, Nick, uh, not Nick Chubb, uh, Bradley Chubb, uh, that duo off the edge, even though Phillips is hurt. But I'm kind of liking the culture that so, um, so <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm kind of falling in love with the with the culture that McDaniels has instilled in Miami. And uh, they got some really cool people out there. So maybe that's just me being a little bit biased, but I'm rooting for Miami. And I think Miami does win in a close one. Yeah, crazy how this is our last regular season game preview that we'll be doing. Uh, Oof, one of the best games of the season, too. Been a journey. It has been a journey. A lot of games. Um, AFC East title on the line. Dolphins, two-seaters win, six with loss. Bills, two with win. Could miss the playoffs with a loss. Um, this is another game of, well, the Dolphins struggle a lot against the Bills, especially Josh Allen. Dolphins are 1-10 in in their past 11 games against the Bills. And Josh Allen has been the key factor in basically all those games. Uh, He's thrown at least two touchdown passes in his past 12 games against the Dolphins. Week 4, we saw 320 yards, four touchdowns, 48-20 to win. Dolphins, they could go all in and try to stop the pass and try to slow down Josh Allen that way. But the Bills averaging 130 yards per game on the ground, which is 7th in the NFL. In the NFL, James Cook has been very good. When the Dolphins have played teams this season that rank in the top seven in rushing yards, they've gone 0-3 in those games and uh, been outscored by an average score of 45-18. to So they've struggled against those teams that are good on the run. Bills haven't lost in a month. Um, everything I look at points towards the Bills, and so I'm going to take the Bills in this one. Uh, Dolphins... In-season hard knocks. I don't know what the Cardinals did last year, but I just remember the Colts Week 18 curse game. I've brought that up multiple times on this podcast. Maybe it's just because it's Week 18 and the PTSD is starting to strike in again. But 
I think the Bills are going to be able to win this one against the Dolphins. Maybe Stephon Diggs gets tuned up, hopefully, because he's been struggling recently, gets a little look from Josh Allen and can get ready to go for the playoffs. I expect Ramsey to probably follow him, right? Yeah. I mean, no, no Howard well, to help balance that out. He didn't follow CeeDee Lamb, so we'll see. Yeah, that's Fair. true. He does sometimes cower from that big moment, at least schematically. But <laughs> not saying that's him, but it just seems like coaches haven't been putting him in a spot to really follow guys for the past couple of years. It seems like he wasn't really following many guys in L.A. either. I mean, um, it was also prior to, this, to the uh, emergence of, I think it was what? Uh, what's that guy's name? Darius Williams. He started mm, playing really well, yeah. so he didn't need to follow anybody. And then uh, he came to... Uh, Miami this year, and he's had Xavier Howard. So. Yeah, we'll see if he hasn't on Sunday. We'll right. see. Um, I did throw all my picks from this week, um, and did did change uh did change my Bengals pick back to the Browns. Now that I have to take that pick, um, so I threw it into the into the playoff machine. Uh, I'll just list off what the scenarios came out to be. Um, Baltimore one seed, of course. AFC number two. Or sorry, number seven Indy going into number two Buffalo. Uh should be an interesting game for them. Number six Miami going into Kansas City. That would be phenomenal. That'd be a good one. That would be, good be great. Uh and number five Cleveland going into Jacksonville to play the Jags. Uh in the NFC, San Francisco, of course, the one seed. Number seven, Rams going into Dallas. Uh to play the Cowboys. Number six, NFC North matchup, Green Bay going into Detroit for a Thanksgiving rematch little revenge game for the lions there hopefully and then finally number five philadelphia going into tampa bay but those are my scenarios there and i will get into some betting picks now uh, i got a couple three and a halfs on both sides of the ball here uh tennessee titans plus three and a half i think they can compete in that jags game i really do especially at home and i think three and a half points if you can make it so you get the benefit of the doubt on that game-winning field goal from the Jags. I think you absolutely have to take that. And then Lions minus three and a half. Uh, I think Dan Campbell wants to win this game. I think he wants to win it big. Uh, all right. I mean, kind of took one of my picks, so I'll kind of fiend for another one here. Uh, okay. I think I'll have to go with Saints minus three. I was talking about how uh, tough it is to play in the Superdome. I think the Saints take care of business against Atlanta. I don't trust their offense, especially with Heineke or Desmond Ritter, for that fact, at quarterback. So I'll go Saints minus three, and then I think I'll go Jets plus one and a half. I picked the Jets to win, so if Belichick does decide to call it quits and he decides that I am not losing this game, I'll give the Jets that, that extra point as a little cushion on my ass, but... I'm going Jets plus one and a half and then Saints minus three. Yeah, I'm going Cardinals plus three. I think they're going to beat the Seahawks and I'll just take uh, the plus three there. And then for my second one, Bills minus two and a half. Uh, they kind of just, Josh Allen owns the Dolphins. We've seen it earlier this year. I think they get it done again and I think they win the game by maybe a touchdown. All right. So that about does it for this episode of the Engage A podcast. We will be back on. Sun on Monday or Tuesday to give you a recap of week 18, talk about some playoff matchups that we have, and then we'll be back once again a couple days later to preview those playoff matchups, talk about the college football playoff uh, national championship that will have happened on Monday, as well as talk about whatever else that comes up between now and then. So until then, uh, follow us on our social medias. Links are in the description. Our Spotify link is there, as well as our TikTok. And until next time, we'll see everybody in the next one.